All right, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Well. Uh, my name is uh, Alex. I'm one of the pastors here at The Well, and so today I have the honor and the privilege to preach God's Word. Uh, if you don't know, uh, Pastor Al is out for the next couple weeks. Uh, he's, on, he's taking a little bit of vacation, trying to get some rest. And so I'm gonna be, we're going to be talking about prayer today. The next two weeks, Pastor Jonathan Ellis is going to pre- be preaching on fasting and then on generosity. That's going to be the next two weeks after today. And so come back to hear those. But that's kind of where we're at. That's where we're going. But if you are new with us today, it's your first time, maybe you've been out the past couple weeks, we are at a new series uh, called Ancient Paths. So this is our summer series, and our goal during this time is to observe what the scriptures have to say about spiritual disciplines. And then as you've probably heard or seen by this point, our our goal and our aim is to cultivate faith-driven obedience. So that's what our summer series, Ancient Paths, is all about. As I said, uh, today's about prayer. Last week we talked about reading God's Word, the discipline of of reading the Bible. So if you missed that, I encourage you to go check it out. But today is all about the discipline of prayer, all right? Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, one of our ushers can give you one. Just raise your hand and that Bible, if you don't have one, keep it, read it, it's for you. Um, But before we get to Matthew 6, which is the Lord's Prayer, uh, I want to frame just a couple things for us as we talk about prayer. prayer. There's private prayer, there's corporate prayer, there's a lot of different things that we could think about when I say prayer. And so I want to frame a couple things for us as we begin. The first thing is this, is that this is what prayer is. So we have to know, it's very simple, prayer is simply communicating to and talking with our Father in heaven. That's what it is. It's us talking to our Father in heaven. And so God, we know, talks primarily through his word, and then we talk to God through prayer. That's what prayer is. You and I, like like a son would to his father, or a daughter to his father, we are simply communicating with and talking to our Father in heaven. That's what prayer is. So that's the first thing I want to just be clear about. And the second thing is that prayer is expected. Prayer is expected of the Christian. And so if we put the first thing and the second thing together, our Father in heaven expects us to talk with him. That's, that's what it is. Our Father in heaven expect, expects us to talk with him. And so we see this just before we get to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is he's beginning to teach disciples on how they are to pray, implying the reality that prayer is, in fact, expected of the Christian. And it's expected because there's an established relationship between your Father in heaven and you, right? So you can think of this, yes, son and daughter to the Father in heaven, or think of it in terms of essentially any relationship uh, with a family or friends that you have. Most people, if it's a legitimate, healthy relationship with family, with friends, you actually communicate with them on some level. There is a certain level of communication with them that you have. You connect with them. You talk with them. You text them. You, meet, you, you might call them and go, hey, you want to get coffee? You want to get lunch? Then you put it on the calendar and you say, hey, here, we're going to set this hour. We're going to hang out and we're going to eat. We're going to celebrate. We're going to talk. We're going to catch up, whatever. You don't spell out all the details, but you just go, we're going to hang out and spend time together. And you don't say, all right, we're going to communicate during this time. You just do it. But you do, set up, you do set it apart and you do communicate with them during that time. And if you do have younger children or any children at that, do you, with your kids, do you expect to never hear from them during the day? 
if you do, that's kind of weird, but you don't, you know it's not even a thought that your kids are going to communicate with you. Children naturally go, mom, dad. They communicate with their parents just naturally. They ask their desi- they're communicating what their desires are, what they want, what they need, right? And here's the thing. Many of us, if, if we're not compelled to pray, we often feel, or it's, we often, it may be as a result of, we think, man, maybe the Father's not listening to me. So we understand the reality that we should pray. We understand that kids naturally talk to their parents. But there are things that we're believing, lies that we're believing. We're going, man, maybe God's not listening. He's not providing. He's not even answering. But I want us to hear this. It's not, those things are not true. They're simply not true. We must know that our Father in heaven is in fact listening and answering according to his perfect will and plan for our lives, for our good, and for his glory. He's a better parent than you and I. If you're a parent, he's a better parent than you and I. He hears and answers our prayers. His discernment to give, as we ask, and to take is perfect, or to withhold perhaps, to say no. That discernment is perfect. It's not begrudging. It's not angry. He's not partial to you or to me. He's not loving, more loving to this Christian over here and less loving to that Christian over there. And he's not, so, and he's not withholding wrongly. So as we pray, our Father doesn't go, I'm keeping this from you because I don't like you or I'm angry at you. I don't, or I don't want you to have this just because, like, unjustified. He does not respond with frustration or bitterness as we go to him in prayer. He's not tired. He's not exhausted of hearing what you need. He's not tired or exhausted of hearing you ask for the same thing again and again and again and again. That doesn't bother him. Your Father in heaven wants to hear you talk to him every single day, every day. The same way, again, as you expect if you have kids to communicate to you in specific ways every single day from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep because you're their father and your mother, that's the same way your father in heaven feels towards you. He expects expects to hear from you. And so just as in most relationships here on earth involve a level of communication, there is an expectation that we would communicate and take the light and setting time apart to talk to our Father in heaven. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5 this way, and we'll, it'll be on the screen here in a moment, we'll get to 9 to 13 here, here shortly, but he says this, he says, and when you pray, if you're not convinced, he says, when you pray, meaning prayer is expected, he doesn't say, if you decide to pray, Jesus says, when you pray, and then he does what? He goes on to describe to the disciples what to pray, which we're going to look at, and when they pray. But don't miss this. Prayer is expected of Christians because we are the king's kids. We're the king's kids. So prayer is expected. You're a beloved son. You're a beloved daughter of God the Father. And being the child of God that you are, your Father in heaven wants you to and expects you to respond and communicate with him in prayer. And so Jesus will show us in these verses how we ought to pray as the king's kids. As the king's kids. 
And the last thing is this that I want to say is when we're talking about prayer today, I, I am speaking to and we are looking at talking to God privately and personally versus perhaps corporately. So we're talking about private prayer with your Father in heaven, right? So Matthew 6, 5 to 6, it's not going to be on the screen. I'll, I'll read it. You can go back a few verses if you want. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 6 says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so that's just, to, I want us to hear that. That's the context we're thinking about and discussing today when, in regards to prayer. It's personal, private prayer. All right, so let's look at uh, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. It'll be on the screen. But I'll go ahead and read. It says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so the first thing we're going to see today is that as the king's kids, we are praying as a part of a family, which is a part of the Father's kingdom, and therefore we are praying for God's kingdom. So family and kingdom is the first thing I want us to see, what we're talking about, family and kingdom. When we pray, as we see in verse 9 and 10, we are praying as those that are a part of the family of God. That's, the, that's how we should be thinking So we see that Jesus instructs us who we are to pray to in the context in which we should be praying. So who? We're praying to our Father in heaven. As verse 9 says, our Father in heaven. And and the what? Our context is for the rest of the Lord's prayer. Meaning this, the goal of our prayer should be very often here, here, as we see in the verses, that our Father in heaven's kingdom would come. That's the prayer, that our Father in heaven's kingdom would come would come. We want God to be elevated and made much of here on earth in everything that we say and do, that his will would be done. And all our prayer life, generally speaking, our aim shouldn't be, as we're praying, I'm here to change your heart, Lord, or anything like that. If that is the thought, I'd encourage you to be reminded that Rather, we should be approaching God in prayer as and saying, may God change my heart as I'm praying for his kingdom, for his glory, for his namesake. And so he, Jesus uses these words, right? Our Father in heaven. This term, Father, means Abba, and it's the word used by Jewish children of the day for their earthly fathers, right? So there's an established relationship there. It's communicated in their language that they use. The idea here is that we would see that our prayers are familial. We're communicating with our Father in heaven, which is meant to convey to us that language, our Father, both the authority that we give to our Father in heaven and then the intimacy that we have with our, of our Father's care and the relationship that we have with him. Oftentimes and unknowingly, I think you would perhaps agree that our rhythms of prayer are often stunted 
in part because we don't see our Father in heaven, or we don't feel connected with him in a way that drives us to him in prayer. Perhaps that a son, the way that a son does as soon as he wakes up in the morning to his mom and his dad. We feel disconnected. We feel distant. And so we respond out of that. We stay disconnected. We stay distant. And this can be a result of a lack of discipline, for sure, laziness, resentment that you have towards the Lord, or apathy. Um, but it, in reality, I want to say this, that it could very, very well be the result of the poor fathers that we've had here on earth, that many of you maybe have that experience. So I'm talking about fathers. You're, what's coming to mind for you, for your father, it's not that great. And that, while that may very well be your circumstance, I, I want to say this too gently, uh, it doesn't justify our lack of prayer with him. That's the reality. The, the, the hurt that you have with your father is real. But it doesn't justify our disconnection from our heavenly father. But, I, but that is, where we're going, I do want to ask though that this question is, how do you view your father in heaven? When I talk about him being your heavenly father, what comes to mind? Do you view the father in heaven as a good and loving father as he is? Um, over the past few months, I've had the opportunity very recently to, to hear many of y'all's personal stories, your upbringing, your experiences with your earthly fathers. So I'm not saying this out of just random reality. It's, it is a reality that many of us sadly uh, have had heartbreaking, terrible circumstances with our fathers on earth. And they're heartbreaking to listen to. We, stories of abusive fathers, neglectful fathers, absent fathers, and on and on and on. I've seen time and time again, many of us have not known and unfortunately may never know the love, the care, the protection, and the support of an earthly father, of a father here on earth. The way that God designed the men, the fathers to lead. All of this to say, there's a good chance that whether it's incredibly traumatizing experience or not, uh, there's a reality that the experiences that we have had with our fathers here on earth have impacted your relationship with your father in heaven in some way, shape, or form. And so we read this in our text. Jesus uses this language and he expects us to pray. He's teaching us how to pray. And he says, our father in heaven, this, but that's not compelling for you. If anything, it's, it's unhelpful. It feels unhelpful. But you're not compelled by this reality of who God is to go, yes, Lord, I'll run to you. It doesn't compel you to talk to him. And at the same time, I must remind you, I must remind all of us, our Father in heaven is a perfect and loving Father. We're going to see today that the ways in which Jesus expects us to pray and communicate with our Father in heaven actually proves that we can both trust, that we can in fact trust our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven cares for you deeply, more, more than all of creation. Our Father in heaven desires to provide daily for you and I, every day, your needs. Our Father in heaven has made a way through Jesus for us to be forgiven 
and to forgive others. Our Father in heaven promises to be with us and He promises to protect us. Our Father in heaven will not forsake us and and desires a real, authentic relationship with us. And so whenever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself in regards to your earthly father and your heavenly father, my encouragement is, is wherever you land, bring those things to your father in heaven in prayer. Process, process those things with your father in heaven. We must see that all of these experiences, all of them, they're opportunities for us to run to Jesus, to run and talk to our father in heaven. The second part of verse 9 says, hallowed be your name. The reality is, is that God's name would be hallowed, set apart, or made holy. This is to say that God would be treated with the highest honor and set apart as holy. And I want us to see this isn't, we, this isn't like unrealistic. Because our Father in heaven is in fact God. He's perfect. Every promise He's made. He's made good on. He is who he says he is. He's consistent. And we should esteem him and desire to honor him because he is, in fact, who he says he is. Do you see this? It's his character. It's his nature. It's not like me, Liam's dad, looking at him going, son, honor me, respect me, a broken, often sinful father that falls short. It's not it. He's deserving of the honor. He's deserving of the glory due his name because of who he is. His nature, his character, and his consistency with who he is. So we should, he should be treated as hallowed, set apart, made holy. That's the way in which we should approach him. And so as I said at the beginning, we see who we're praying to, right? Our Father who is hallowed and perfect. And we see the goal, namely that God's kingdom would come. Verse 10 says, Jesus, he said, Jesus says this, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying here is, again, we should pray and work in such a way to see the kingdom come and his will be done as much as possible on this side of eternity. It's about Jesus and everything we say and do. In other words, we're praying that God's kingdom as we go out during the week His kingdom, His will, His way would be reflected in where we live, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we play, in our families, in our homes, in everything. We're asking and praying, Father, God, would your kingdom and will be reflected in all of my life? We desire, therefore, culture and the ways of God's kingdom that it would be, that reality would be present that the things that we're a part of, it would be reflective of God's kingdom, not us. And so Jesus teaches that we should pray that God's kingdom would come down and be present here. That's the way we should be praying. And here's the thing, because prayer is answered, prayer is in fact answered by our great God and King, we should expect, we should leave our time of prayer our, as we meet with the Father in heaven to expect to see where we live where we work, where we play to be transformed by God and the gospel, by his power, through his grace, and all of these areas that we're talking about. We should be praying expectantly, expecting God to move in power. 
So next we're going to see that Jesus instructs us to pray for what we need. Prayers of provision and then prayers of forgiveness. Provision and forgiveness. That's the next thing. He says in verse 11 and 12, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So he uses this language, language, right? It says daily bread and forgiveness. Real simple. As you walked in here today, as you woke up this morning, what did you need? What was something that you woke up going, man, I need this today? Amen. What do you need every day? What do you need? What do you find yourself today going, I need this today. I need this tomorrow. I know this is happening this week. What is it that you need? The reality is, is we all have daily needs. They're necessary to live day to day, month to month. So it's real simple. Jesus, Jesus is teaching us that we should pray and ask God to provide what we need. Part of that provision, yes, being the physical food. You need food. That's good every day. But the reality is, is y'all have needs. We all have needs, a variety of needs in addition to food, not just food. So what do you need? What's going on right now that you're going, man, I need God to provide this. Maybe it's food. That's fine. Pray and ask God to provide the next meal. Enough food for the month. Enough money to get through the month. Maybe you need a job, a better job, financial endurance, spiritual or emotional hurt or healing or wisdom. Whatever it is that you need, bring your needs to the Lord every day and ask in faith for God to provide. Additionally, there's a petition we're encouraged to ask for Christ to forgive us, says, our debts or our sins, right? So to be clear, this isn't, I don't want, this, it's not meaning we're supposed to go to the Father every day to receive what's known as our justification in Christ again and again and again every day. That's not what's happening here. Rather, because we are justified in Christ once and for all, we approach the Father in heaven and ask for forgiveness of our sins. We're justified that's done. We're going to the Father in heaven every morning, every day, recognizing the fact that we are sinners that fall short often and we need forgiveness. So I want us to see this. There is also a clear connection here between the first part of verse 12 and the second one. He expects us to approach him and asking for forgiveness, having already proceeded to forgive those that have wronged us. He says, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So if we go to the Father in heaven and ask for forgiveness, yet we're not willing to forgive those that have sinned against us, we've missed it. Missed it. We missed the gospel. We missed that fact that it's unmerited grace, unmerited mercy that God gives us. We've missed what Jesus tells us here to do. I'm not saying this is easy at all. And as we'll continue to see, this takes intentionality like anything else. It takes us being disciplined to cultivate these kind of prayers in our life. For me, I'll be transparent here for a moment. I for sure realized this most personally a couple years ago. Literally, the two verses directly after the Lord's Prayer, I'll read it. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither 
will your father forgive your trespasses? It's what it says. And I was in a place, had a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of resentment, a lot of bitterness towards some people in my life. And I would read these verses and, and ignore this reality that my Father in heaven has and does forgive me, though I've not earned it, though I don't deserve it. Who, who are we to withhold forgiveness from these people who have wronged us? God showed me in a very particular moment that because you and I are not God, we must daily, this is why this is the Lord's Prayer, daily, regularly be pulling up these weeds of bitterness and resentment in our hearts. And the way we do that, we forgive. At some point, though, we have to realize we're praying for these people. We forgive them. We're praying for them, not just yourself. And I thought to myself, I only need to forgive them once. It's okay if you're, you thought this too. I'm just, I was going, I need to forgive them. I wake up, I prayed it once. After that, I do, I've done the work. I did it. I, I'm done. And I realized like, man, I've got to be praying for them and forgiving them until I see and sense a true change of heart by God's grace. It takes time. It takes consistency. And even after that moment, over the past couple years, I've had to go back, remind myself, myself of this truth and this reality, and I've had to come back to it. I've not gradu- I've not, this is not old news for me. I still need God's grace and mercy in my life, and I'm still watching my heart and extending forgiveness every day. But for the longest time, and maybe you're like me, I really believe that I was justified not extending forgiveness because they didn't deserve it and they didn't earn it. And then whatever other excuses, they did this, they did that. The re- it's true, they didn't earn it. They don't deserve it. But neither do I. And yet, God being rich in mercy forgave me, forgave you, pursued you while we were sinning. That doesn't merit forgiveness. And so he shows us, and he showed me that we have, to be in the, for, we have to be in the business of forgiving every single day. Every day. And so my question, perhaps you need to do this too. My question is, man, who, who, who are, do you need to do that work? Right now, as I've, we've been talking about forgiveness, are there people, or is there a particular person you're going, man, I don't like them, angry at them, you got some other names you're calling them and you know you need to forgive them. My encouragement would be to wake up every day, every day, pray for them, forgive them until you see a real change. And if you're not sure if you've forgiven them, spend some time with them in their presence. You'll find out really quickly. But I want us to see that the way in which Jesus instructs us to pray, no matter which prayer we're talking about here, is very much a prayer, a set of prayers and petitions that require a humble spirit. They require humility. You're not going to pray for the person that has wronged you for their good and to forgive them if you're proud. If you're like, nah, they don't deserve it. 
Obviously, that's not humility, so you won't. But all of these prayers require a spirit of humility. Even to ask such things as simple as your daily needs. Some of you are like, man, I've got to pray for that. I've got to figure it out. That's pride. You should approach the Father in heaven in such a way that you realize and know that every good gift comes from your Father in heaven. Therefore, you do it in a spirit of humility. All of these prayers are rooted in humility. In addition, we must be aware of, as we're doing this work, we're going to the Father in heaven, and of, we need to be aware of how we respond as we pray for such things. Yes, you do them humbly. Like Perhaps you start there. You go to the Father in heaven. You do it humbly. But we have to be aware and be reminded of the fact that our God is a good, good and perfect in power and wisdom. Meaning when we ask Him to provide, when we're asking Him for things, we do so aware of the fact that God will answer our prayers according to His perfect wisdom, His perfect knowledge, not ours. So we approach the Father in heaven in faith and we trust and ask Him for what we need. And then when He answers, we have to continue to trust Him, continue to believe and know that He has our good in mind. And He's not wrong when He says no, or He's not wrong when He withholds, or takes a little bit longer than you'd like. If God tells us no and we turn to anger and resentment, the issue is not God. The issue is you, right? The issue is you. Whether it's a lack of trust, a sense of entitlement, I deserve this. I work so hard. I, I should get that. A belief that you deserve something, right? The issue isn't God and how he has answered. It's you. In that moment, repentance is required. That's an example of when you approach the Father in heaven, that's how God changes your heart in prayer. Repent. Trust the Lord. If you doubt, be honest. Be honest. Your Father in heaven can handle it. I promise you. Be honest about you doubting that you think that what he's doing is good and godly. Be honest. Ask him to help your unbelief. But be honest with yourself and with your Father in heaven. Next, let's keep going. We're going to see in verse 13 a continued prayer again for what we need. Another petition, specifically for God's presence and for God's protection. So presence and protection is the next thing. Verse 13, we're instructed by Jesus, it's very clear, to pray that the presence of God would be with us, that his presence would lead us and protect us from temptation and evil. So remember, Jesus, Jesus is teaching us to pray like the king's kids. There are implications of that reality. We are part of the family of God. We are part of the kingdom of God. And there is a reality that there are real enemies that oppose the kingdom of God and his kids. The fact that you're a part of the family of God causes Satan and demons to oppose you in every way they can, in everything they're doing, to oppose you to oppose what God is doing. And so Jesus is, going, is teaching us to pray for the presence of God and his protection. And so he says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. The petition, the final petition we see is that we are instructed to pray, that, that it comes from the reality that Satan is real. Demons, they're real. And sin is real. It should remind us, this prayer, Every day that the temptation to sin will happen frequently, 
if not every single day, multiple times a day. And so therefore, we must and we should be dependent every day on God in this regard. And we should take heed for going, man, I'm good. Take heed, lest you fall. Pray for God's protection and his deliverance from temptation and evil. It's a petition that addresses the ongoing war with sin and evil that has to be fought with the strength of, yes, God's word, but also God's word in prayer throughout our day. Furthermore, while there may not be what we maybe think of as these dramatic, obvious temptations for you to sin every day, there are more often than not, what I would argue, circumstances throughout the day that usher in what some may say are, they are subtle sins or some may other small sins, which is not really actually a thing because all sin had to be paid for by the blood of Jesus. That's not a small thing. One of the greatest weapons we need to see this against temptation, against evil, and the evil one, coupled with the word of God, is our access to our Father in heaven in prayer. It's one of our greatest weapons because the reality is, is that God doesn't tempt us, rather the evil one does. His aim in the beginning is to steal our joy, to steal your joy, to kill us, destroy us. And so whatever means necessary to do that, he's setting out to do. He's Satan successfully tempted Adam and Eve in the garden this way, and he's also unsuccessfully tempted Jesus while he was here on earth. And what we see is that because Jesus was tethered to the scriptures and his father in heaven, he could withstand the attacks of the enemy. I want to remind us again, what we're setting out to do, we've talked about this last week, what we're setting out to do by being disciplined in prayer for the purpose of godliness, Jesus has done this perfectly. Jesus has done this perfectly. Where we fall short, to talk with him, to meet with him, to pray to our Father in heaven. Jesus himself has done this perfectly. The Lord's prayer that we've been instructed to pray, Jesus knows personally. He's prayed it personally and has perfect union with his Father in heaven in this way. And so again, this should be something we come back to for the rest of the series. Our hope as we set out to be more disciplined in prayer is not in our own tools, it's not in our own strength, our perfection, it's in Jesus. So Bible reading, our hope's in Jesus. Prayer, our hope is in Jesus. Next week, we talk about fasting. Your hope is in Jesus, not you not eating for a week. Generosity, your hope is in Jesus, the one who's been more generous than anyone ever. It's in, your hope is in Jesus. The whole Lord's Prayer is a confession of that reality. It's a confession of the reality that we need Jesus and our hope is in Jesus. That we need every single day our Father in heaven, that we need him, that we need his help, that we need the presence of God, the power of God to show up today. And so in humility, we approach him and ask for that. Jesus has both demonstrated how we might pray, how we ought to pray, and he's shown us personally, 
He's demonstrated that and, and even given grace by giving his own life so we would do what? That we would know our Father in heaven, we might pray to our Father in heaven, and we have access to our Father in heaven. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, died in your place for your sins, rose on the third day, defeated sin, defeated Satan, defeated death, so you might be saved, receiving the Holy Spirit, and therefore come into a right standing and relationship with God the Father who you can call upon daily in prayer until he calls you home or he returns. I hope you see the great length in which Jesus went to rescue you and redeem you. I want you to see, church, what church what it costs the Father in heaven. That's how much he wants you. That's how much he desires that you would meet with him. He didn't give up his son so you'd ignore him. So you'd be distant from him and only ask for his help when you most need it. Rather, he wants you to meet with him daily in prayer. That you'd know authentically what it means to have an active relationship with your Father in heaven. I want to give us, we're going to transition a bit. I want to talk about some, so just some practical tools that we can use as we set out to do this. And so before we wrap up, we're going to talk about three things, three simple tools that can help, hopefully help you to do what we're talking about today. So the first thing is this, three things. The first is this, pray the Bible. We just, on Father's Day, we just gave out Donald Whitney's Praying the Bible. If you didn't get one, we have some left. I'm happy to give one out to you, but pray the Bible. That's what the whole thing is about. This implies though, right? The fact you are reading, that's implied, but pray the Bible. So think about it this way. You're reading. Last week, we used Philippians for you. I'm going to use it again. I'll read it. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So you're reading this. This would then be your prayer. This would then be your prayer for that moment. So you see that you, you're thinking, man, I don't spend, the, the things that I'm thinking about, they're not honorable. I spend a lot of time thinking, thinking about things that are not honorable, not pure, not worthy of praise. And so what do you do in that moment? You're praying that God would, would cultivate this in you through the power of the Spirit. You confess that reality to God. You ask for forgiveness, and then you pray for what Philippians says. Father, help me to think about what's true. Help me to think about what's honorable. Help me to think about what's just. And on and on and on. I... And, I desire to obey your word, Father. Would you help me to think about these things? But you're honest. And here's the thing. We should have great confidence, great confidence when we pray that God will, that he will answer us because what we're doing is we're reading his word and what he has to say to us and then we're asking for him to do what he says in his word. That should create great confidence that the Lord will answer us. I'm not saying give you what you want. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he will answer. So you're reading whatever you're reading that day and God is talking through his word and you're simply communicating back to him in prayer and asking him, Father, would you do what your word says here in 4.8? Help me to think about these things. Help me to think about what's true. So pray the Bible. And you can do that with any, any of the scriptures. Pray the Bible. The second thing is guided prayer. 
So there's two types we're going to talk about. There's many forms. I'm sure some of you, hey, these are the kind of guided prayers I do. Maybe you have that. But the two that may be most familiar with with many of us here, um, we use them in our discipleship groups. They implement these throughout the week. And so that's praying the IOUs and Acts-styled prayer. And so we'll start with IOUs and we'll go to Acts. The IOU prayers, uh, they're, they're, they're from the Bible. So we're doing what the first one says here. We're praying the Bible. We're combining these tools. And so it should be on the screen, but we're praying. And I, I, I've been doing this for years. I still, I pray this. It's, it, what ends up happening is this becomes natural to you. This is, you just end up praying this way as you do this over the years. You're going, Father, incline my heart to your word and not to selfish gain. Right? Psalm 119.36, open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. Talked about delighting in God's word last week. We're asking that we would behold wondrous, true things out of his law. Psalm 119.18, the you unite my heart to fear your name. Rightly, that's Psalm 86, 11. Satisfy my heart in your steadfast love. Help, you're asking God, help me to be satisfied with you and your word. Oh Lord, please. That's the prayer. And here's the thing. Those are what the verses say. So you can pray these Psalms and you're memorizing them simultaneously every morning. It's amazing. You can do this anytime. Typically, what I like to do is do this before I pray, before I open the Word of God. So that's IOUs. The next one is Acts styled prayer. It's real simple. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration being the first one is this, it goes back to what we see in the Lord's Prayer, actually. It's this idea of reverence, respect, very much what we, hallowed be your name. That's what it says. We're going back to that. We're going back to the scriptures. And so maybe as you're praying, whether it's the beginning, middle of the day, after, after you read, whatever it is, you're just spending time recognizing and communicating to your father your thankfulness for who he is, his character, his nature, his consistency, his perfection, his greatness. And then in the same breath, you're, going, you're moving to confession. So you spend time none of these are limited. So you're like, how long do I, how long do I adore? Like, as long as you want. How long do I confess? As long as you want. There's no, there's no time limit here. Confess your sins to your Father in heaven. Confess your weaknesses. Confess your needs. You can, it's okay to go to Thanksgiving and supplication while you're still in, people get weird about this. Like, can I ask him while I'm confessing? Yes, you can do that. You confess your shortcomings, your feelings of disappointment, whatever it is. And then in that moment, being reminded of God's grace, you move to thanksgiving. You, so then you spend time thanking God for anything and everything. His provision in your life, His grace and mercy towards you, your family, your work, whatever He's doing, you're then spending time going, thank you, Father. Thank you. Maybe, maybe He answered your prayer. You're thanking Him for showing up and answering what it is you had asked for previous. And then we end with the S, supplication. It's just a fancy word for asking. What do you need? Communicate to your Father in heaven what, you, what you're in need of. I hope you see as we've gone through IOUs and Acts, a lot of this, it's not just rooted in the Scriptures, it's rooted in the Lord's Prayer too. 
right? And then that's the last thing that, that you can use as a guided, as a, as a tool for guided prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer every day. So you don't just, yet we know the verses. Many of you guys perhaps have already the Lord's Prayer memorized, but we're not, we don't just run through it and like, I'm done. Like it's an exercise, but slow down, spend some time in each verse, praying through each section and allow that time to form your prayer. So I was driving this morning. I didn't wake up with my back shot and just my lower back just not working all of a sudden, but on the drive here, my back wasn't working. So I'm going, God, I need you to help me heal. My, my, what I need you to provide is some relief because I got to stand up. I got to preach. I got to do these things. Please, Father, provide this right now. As I was going through the Lord's Prayer, I stopped there. I spent more time asking the Father, provide help for me now. I need it. Please, Lord. And so it's going to look different for everybody. And it will look different for you every time you pray through the Lord's Prayer. And that's okay. And so the last thing I'll say is this. If, you've, if you're like, man, I don't really pray much. I want to pray. Maybe you've never prayed. Uh, or you have prayed, you've been a Christian for a while, but your prayer life is next to non-existent, use the guides. But to simplify things for us, my encouragement would be this. It would be two things. One, pray every day. I'm not saying pray 10 times a day, pray 20 times. I'm just saying pray every day. Commit to praying. Don't miss a day. That's your goal. I'm going to pray today. When it is, that's up to you, but you're going to pray every single day. And the second thing is when you pray, thank God for something and ask Him for something. Simple. So you don't, when you pray every day, you're thanking God for one thing and you're asking Him for one thing. Commit to never missing. Pray pray and communicate and talk to your Father in heaven. The goal is, I want to remind us, it's for the purpose of godliness. For the purpose of godliness. I want us to see that ultimately prayer again is about God changing us. It's in fact about being made more like Christ. That's what it is. So if you're a Christian, you're, and you're therefore a child of God, you're the king's kid. Don't forget this. Your father in heaven longs to hear from you, longs to meet with you. He wants to listen to you. He expects you to communicate with him and he delights to hear from you. He delights to hear from his kids. And so as we respond, as we wrap up, my two questions. Will you resolve to meet with the Lord in prayer? And then will you resolve to begin your day by seeking the face of the Lord before anything? There are things that the Lord is surely putting on your hearts to start doing, to whatever that may look like. My encouragement as we respond is that you would not wait. Be disciplined. Obey what the Lord is commanding you to do and set out to do it in faith. And so we're going to go ahead and respond here in a moment uh, through the taking of communion. Before you take communion... Consider, again, what is the Lord Jesus calling you to do? I'm not saying you need to get your phone out and put it on the calendar right now. I'm just, think about what is the Lord Jesus calling you to do this week and resolve, I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to do that today.